Matthew chapter 13, if you have your Bibles, please go to Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 24. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 24. Uh, if, you have, if you don't have a Bible, you probably have a Bible in front of you, and if not, we have the scriptures on the screen. So, it says this. This is the parable uh, of the weeds, or the chaff, the wheat, or the wheat and the chaff. It says this. Jesus uh, told them, he says, another parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when, uh, and when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, sir, uh, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them? He says, no, no, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot wheat with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them into bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. All right, let's jump to Matthew chapter 13, uh, starting in uh, verse uh, 36. It says this, because they didn't know what he was talking about, so they wanted to know. Uh, Then he left the crowd, Jesus left the crowd, and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one uh, who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned into the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace. There there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we are on a series called Parables for Life. And we've been talking about about parables, these parables that Jesus would, would teach. And we've been, dis- we've been describing these parables as earthly stories with heavenly meanings, right? We've been talking about that. And we've been talking about how parables are meant to teach us something. So we're meant to learn something with the parables. But part of the reason for the parables is not just that you learn something, but that we also unlearn what we thought we knew. So it's opening up our eyes to something new, but it's also bringing into question the things that we already thought that we knew or some of the assumptions that we have. So it's learning as much as it is unlearning. And so last week we started off by sort of unlearning something that for many of us, or at least for me, I thought that I knew because I grew up with a certain understanding of what the kingdom of heaven was. And last week we talked about how Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven. If you're like me and you grew up in church, maybe you uh, thought that the kingdom of heaven was the good place. Remember, we talked about that last week, like the kingdom of heaven is is the place where the good people end up. So our lives on earth are try to be as good as possible, and if you're very, very, very good, you will end up in the good place. But if you're living your life and you've done a bunch of bad things, you're not going to end up in the good place, you're going to end up in the bad place. And so what I thought Jesus was talking about when he would teach parables about the kingdom of heaven, I thought he was talking about that place that you go after your time on earth is done, and so you would either go to, to heaven, which was up, right? 
There's a geographical location for heaven up, and then hell was, was down, right? That was, the, that was the bad place. But we realize that as Jesus is teaching these parables, he's talking, not, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, but he's not saying that this will happen at the end when we uh, leave this place. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven right now. It's at hand. We can live it in this moment right now. And so that's what we've been talking about for uh, the past week. Now, um, I don't want you to take my word for this, because you may be thinking, man, this is kind of like different than what I learned up, what, what I grew up learning. But I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to, I want you to look at these parables, and I want you to read through them and, and, and be able to extract what Jesus is actually saying versus what we have always assumed that he is that he's saying. And so it's about living the kingdom here and now. That's what Jesus is talking about. How do we bring the kingdom of heaven into our day-to-day lives? He's describing the kingdom of heaven invading earth and moving closer into reconciliation, which is the original plan that, that God already had from the beginning of time. We broke that. It was good. We had a relationship with God. We broke that. And when this process of bringing things back together, like Colossians chapter 1 talks about Jesus reconciling all things. Something was broken, and then Jesus is bringing it back together. And what Jesus is doing is he's, he's introducing the kingdom of heaven, which the kingdom of heaven is a new way to live. It's a new way to think. It's where generosity triumphs over greed. It's where forgiveness triumphs over resentment. It's where good ultimately triumphs over evil. It's an upside-down kingdom, right? It's upside-down. It's not what we think. It's counterintuitive. It's where the last are first and the first are last. It's where you die to live. It's where you give to receive. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is what Jesus is introducing into the world through his life and through these teachings. But it's all happening here. Jesus is talking about this happening here in real time, not, not up or down and also now. Not when we exit this place. This is what Jesus speaks about in these parables. And so last week, we started speaking on the hidden treasure. Remember, we talked about the hidden treasure. And we were talking about basically the value of the kingdom of heaven. How, how valuable is the kingdom of heaven? Um, and so today, we're going to talk about the parable of the wheat and the chaff. Now, I'm going to say the word chaff, even though it's not, it's not in the NIV, but on older versions of the scripture, it talks about weed as chaff. So I don't want us to get confused because weed sounds too much like wheat. So I don't want to keep saying wheat and weed because we're going to get confused as I'm teaching. So we're going to say wheat and chaff. Okay, so wheat and chaff. And so I want to talk about this a little bit today. And I want to start by saying, um, have you ever needed to sort things out? Like sorting things out. Like at, at my house, my wife and I, we've been doing this for 20 years. We've got this bottle and all the spare change we put into that bottle, maybe singles we put into that bottle. And then there comes a time when that bottle is filled and we pour it out. We've got to sort out all, all the change, right? Sorting things out is a, is a thing that we all do. Sort out playing cards. You're sorting them out. Like you're, you're separating them and putting them in categories, uh, when, I, when we arrived into the States, I grew up as a missionary in Chile. We moved to the States, and, and we're like, why do we have three trash bins? Like, there's a blue one, there's a green one, and there's a, there's a black one, right? I mean, trash is trash, right? And so then I discovered you got to, in America, you have to sort out your trash. You have to decide what goes, 
what goes where. So this sorting out that happens in our lives, we sort out relationships, we, we sort out our, our time, we sort out our energy. I was talking with my staff uh, this week about how common it is to talk about um, trying to manage our time. So many people, yes, time management is an important thing, but not a lot of us um, manage our, our energy. There's energy sources, right? And we've been talking about that a little bit. You know, there's this uh, book by Kerry Newhoff uh, called At Your Best, and it talks about, about sorting out your energy levels throughout the day. So you've got green energy where you're at your best, right? Then you've got red energy where you've got nothing left, and then you've got yellow energy, which you're kind of, kind of in the middle. And so the goal is to be able to, to do your best work when you're at your best. So you need to figure out what your green zone is and try to work that way. So you can sort out a bunch of things in your life, right? You can sort out money, you can sort out cards, you can sort out trash, you can sort out time, you can sort out energy. The reason why I bring this up is because this is what Jesus is talking about. In this parable, he's talking about this, this concept of sorting things out. And so in this one, he's talking about sorting out wheat and chaff. Like, what is wheat and what is chaff? So I want to talk about what he means by this. You see, wheat back then and still now was essential for sustenance. Like you made bread with that. That was the, the main thing that you would make with, with wheat. You had bread so you could survive. And chaff was indigestible by humans. You can't, you can't do anything with chaff. It's waste, it's tossed out, it gets burned, it's, it's useless, it gets in the way. Now the interesting thing is that, is that wheat and chaff, they both, they both grow together. And you can't really tell the difference at the beginning. You can't tell what is what at the beginning. And the only way that you can make wheat useful and you can use wheat for the purpose for which it was created is if you know how, how to sort it out. Like, you have to know what is what. And so Jesus is talking about this in, in this parable. He's talking about a field. And, and in this field, there is wheat that grows, right? There's a field, and then there's wheat that grows on this field, and there's also chaff that grows on this, on this field. And he talks about the field being the world, it's the world. It's where we live in. This, this is the, represented by, by the field, is the world. And in this world, there is, there is wheat and there is chaff. So there's both. And they're, in the same, they're, they're sharing the same space. And the scripture's telling us that chaff is this. Chaff is everything that causes sin. That's chaff. And everyone who does evil. And these seeds are planted by the devil. And then the wheat is the people of the kingdom. The wheat is the people of the kingdom. And they are planted by the Son of Man. So we got wheat, we've got chaff, one were planted by the Son of Man, one were planted by, by the devil. And he's, he's explaining to his audience, which was very diverse to his audience, something that is very hard to swallow for many people. Number one is that there are actual evil people that are planted in this world by the devil. And that's hard for me to swallow, by the way, but I can't exegete my way around it. That's what it says. Number two, he says, there will come a day when the harvest will happen. And just like the angels, which are represented here by the farmers, will come and they will sort out good from evil. Like chaff, everything that is sinful and every one who does sin, Jesus is saying, will be wiped out. And here's the problem is that we read something like this, here's what happens. You, you read something like that, and you make, a mis you make a mistake very easily and very quickly. You, you will go to this assumption, that this scripture is saying this. Okay, 
So now my job is to be as good as possible so that I can make sure that I am actually wheat so that I will survive when the end comes. Okay, just to, just to be clear, that is, that is very unfortunate that we would think that. And it is unfortunate because this is not at all what this parable is about. There is so much more going on here than that. And so what I want to do with the minutes that I have left, I want to talk about three things that are going on in this parable that I think will be very helpful to all of us to understand. Three things, all right? Because with me, three things. This is a good thing when you say three, it's like it gives you hope, okay? Because you're like, number one, okay, he's on two now, so he probably has like a couple minutes left. So, um, so number one, here we go, number one. This, these are things that the parable is talking about that will, be, that will be helpful to us to understand what's actually going on, okay? Number one, it's not up to you or me to do any of the sorting out. So I grew up in environments where, the, where we spent way too much energy trying to figure out who's who. Oh, I don't think this guy's saved. I don't think, she doesn't seem to be walking in, like, I don't think she's even a disciple. Has she been baptized? Like, she's baptized, but then, like, look at the life that she's lived. Like, I, we spent in the environments where I grew up in, wasting way too much time in trying to figure out who's in and who's out. But remember, in this story, you and I, the disciples, we are the servants, and the harvesters are angels. And so here's the question. What did the servants say? Remember? What did the servants say? The servants said, oh, I can see all this, this chaff here. Shall we start pulling it out? He's like, no, 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 you have no idea what you're doing. The harvesters will come one day when the time is right, and they'll know what to do with all the chaff. This is not your job. Do not focus on this that you're not supposed to focus on. Don't waste your time judging or trying to figure out who's a Christian and who's not. This is not your job. This is not my job. The harvest time will come, and those angels sent by God will do all the sorting out. So don't it's not your job. It's not my job either. This is why in our church we talk about being a church of wide open doors. Like, hey, just, just come hear the word. Just come hear the word. And my job is to preach. And I'll be honest, there's sometimes in my mind I'm like, dude, I just want to pull that chaff out. I just want to go and pull that thing out, you know? It happens to all of us, right? In our lives, we have people in our lives that we think they're not even Christian, right? Don't waste your time doing that. I have to remind myself, my job here is just to preach the word. It's just to preach the word, okay? We see the exterior. Jesus sees the heart. Let them grow together. You will be surprised, I believe, by who's in and who's out at the end of the day. This is the thing that, Je- that people were surprised so much with Jesus, by Jesus. They weren't, they weren't surprised by how many people he would, let, he would exclude they were surprised by the amount of people Jesus would include. So I want to be a church that welcomes sinners. We've talked about this. I want to be a church that welcomes sinners and eats with them because Jesus did the same thing. Okay? That's number one. So number one, it's not up to you or me to do any of the sorting out. Number two, sin. Listen to this. This is number two. Sin and those who do evil will not survive the harvest. Sin and those who do evil will not survive the harvest. So it says, the scripture says here, they, saying the angels, will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And so you, you may read this and you may say, I think he might be talking about me in here. 
right? But again, the goal of this parable is not to make you and I doubt our salvation. Because first of all, you have to understand that he does not say, listen to this, he does not say that he will weed out everyone who sins. He does not say that. He does not say that he's going to weed out everyone who sins. He says he's going to weed out everything that causes sin at the end of the age. Sin itself, listen to this, sin itself and everything that causes sin will not survive. There will be no more sin. So everything that causes sin will not survive. So when he's talking about sin, he's not talking about in this case, he's not talking about people, but he's talking about that which causes sin, which we can sense in ourselves. Like, we all have a proclivity toward, toward sin. That's what we're called in this lifetime, in this present period of time, to put to death the things in our life that cause sin. To do it now, because they're not going to survive anyway. In the age to come, they're not going to survive. And so we're called to put those things to death in this present period of time. We are called now to put these things to death because everything that causes sin will ultimately be destroyed. So we're in that process now until the final day comes. But later in the scripture, it says also all who do evil, which is actually people. He's talking about people here. There's no way around it. Um, So it's not only that which causes sin, but also those who do evil. So I want to make a distinction between doing evil and sinning. That's not the same thing. Doing evil and sinning is not, not the same thing. So sinning, sinning is this. So doing evil is over here, sinning is over here. What is sinning? Sinning is failing to be perfect. How many here are perfect? Okay, so if that was the case, that would be, that would be a problem. That's all of us. Like none of us here is perfect. So he does not say all those who sin, if that were the case, you know, salvation would be available to zero people, right? He says all who do evil. And evil is different from sinning. Sinning is failing to be perfect. Doing evil, which I went into the Greek to be able to really understand what this means, those who do evil is basically those who cause others to sin, Sinning is one thing, but being that person that will cause other people to sin, that's the definition of what doing evil is. You see, sin and evil have different goals. A disciple who, who sins is, is aiming toward God. We're missing the mark constantly, right? But we're on our way to, to try our best to be like Jesus, and we're constantly, constantly missing. Those who do evil have as a goal the exact opposite of what Jesus is creating in the world. While success for a sinner like you and me is is righteousness, success for one who does evil is unrighteousness. That's his his aim. That's his, his or her goal. In fact, this parable describes that those who do evil were actually planted in this world by the devil. That's a crazy thought to me. Like, I, I have a hard time getting my mind around it, but this is really what, what it says. And the reason I bring this up is because there is actual evil in the world. There is actual evil in the world. Like, some of you guys are like, duh. I'm like, I have a hard time with that. There's actual evil in the world, and there are actual evil people in the world. And I bring that up because 
If you sin, it doesn't mean that you are evil. It means that you are human. In fact, the struggle with sin is actually evidence that you are not evil, but a mere sinner trying to get better every day and failing. And so there are people who are evil, who are caught, they're the people that cause others to sin, who were sown into this world by the devil and are in this world with us. So these are the people that will not survive the harvest when the harvest comes because they're all, they're all evil. There's nothing that can be rescued because sin is going to be destroyed. So if you're all sin, and finally, number three, I'm going to end with this. The harvest is coming. It's coming. The harvest is coming. So I want to ask you this question. Are you ready? Are you ready for that day? Many may think, ah, he's not coming back. It's been forever. Like, seriously, he's coming back? Well, yes. Think of the times of Noah, right? Think of Sodom and Gomorrah. Like, he will wait, and he will wait, and he will wait, because he's patient. Like, like, like God is patient. He's, he's long-suffering. He's, he's slow to anger, right? But it's not eternal, he will not wait eternally. He will be patient, but he will not wait eternally. The day of harvest is coming. And I, I know we, I'd like, we don't like hearing about the wrath of God, but it's here, and it's, it's, it's evident. He's talking about it. This is what this parable is talking about at the end of the day. But the question isn't whether or not the wrath of God is coming or not. That's not the question. The question is when it comes. Is it going to fall on Jesus, or is it going to fall on you and me? And the answer to that question is, is not, am I perfect? It's not, am I a good person? It's not, do I come to church? You see, because the field is the world, and the good seed stands for people of the kingdom. So the question is not, how am I doing in my performance? That's not the question. The question is, am I a person of the kingdom? Are you a person of the kingdom? Am I a person of the kingdom? And this is not a question you need to ask of any other person other than yourself. So not, oh, I wonder if he is. I wonder if, no, no, I wonder if I am. Am I a person of the kingdom? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, he says, examine yourselves, not one another. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Um, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? Now, now, what is the test? And here's where, where many of us get it wrong. What is that test? What does it mean to be a person of the kingdom? Well, this is the theme of the, of the parables. This is the question. It's very simple. Have you put your faith in Jesus? That's the question. Have you put your faith in Jesus? You see, the day will come like Noah and the flood. The day will come like Sodom and Gomorrah where things got wiped out and started over again. That's, that day will come. And those who will remain will be the people of the kingdom. So are you a person of the kingdom? Which means, the question is this, have you put your faith in Jesus? So I want us to take a moment here and uh, we're going to close our eyes and we're going to bow, bow our heads and I'm going to say a few things um, and then I'm going to pray. And this is, this is a moment for you. This is a moment for you. And what I want to ask you to do with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, 
So you ask yourself, am I a person of the kingdom? That does not mean, am I perfect? It does not mean, do I come to church every Sunday? It doesn't mean, do I know the whole Bible? That's not the question. The question is this. Have you put your faith in Jesus? Maybe you're here this morning and and you haven't done this. You have not put your faith in Jesus. And maybe you're ready now to take that step to turn your life over to God and to start living your life in the kingdom, with the principles of the kingdom, putting your faith in Jesus' forgiveness and living this life that we're called to live. So if this is you this morning with eyes closed and heads bowed, I'm going to just ask you to raise your hand and put it right back down. I'm going to pray for you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. 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 So Lord God, this, uh, this morning I, I pray, Lord, that this message would have been helpful to many people. I know it was really, really helpful to me to study this parable. Um, And I thank you, Lord, for the hands that were raised. About half a dozen hands were raised, and I thank you for each one of them, Lord. Lord God, the the decision we make to to become followers of you is a a big one. And I I pray for those people that raised their hands this morning that you will um, allow for them to truly start walking in the kingdom and receive your forgiveness and your hope and, and realizing what, what you've done for us on the cross so we can live a, a new life and start putting to death the things that, that won't survive when the day comes. So I thank you for the people who rose their hands. I thank you for everyone who's here. I thank you because I truly believe that um, we're able to understand more deeply what it means to be living in this kingdom that you've called us to live in. So we thank you, Lord, so much. So much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.